is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Today's episode is a look back at my favorite beers and chocolates of 2022. You'll also hear from several friends and colleagues in the beer and chocolate worlds who share their own favorites from the last year. The story of this first favorite beer started in 2021. Last November, I traveled to Denver to write a story for Pellicle about a special beer and the special barley malt behind it. Caleb Mishaki at Sugar Creek Malt, who is of partial Czech descent, has brought back a barley variety descended from the original Moravian Hama varieties used in the first Pilsner and is growing it on his Indiana farm. The barley was last malted for beer before World War II, and last year was the first year he had enough to brew with. Ron and Jason Abbott, founders of Seedstock Brewing in Denver, are also of Czech descent, so I reached out to them and arranged a collaboration brew. Along with the brewery's new owners, Jerry, Kathy, and Adam Mikkelvena, we brewed a Czech pale lager using Saz hops and Caleb's Edelweiss malt. In January, they sent me a crowler of the finished beer, and I finally got to taste it. It had gently grassy floral notes and a beautiful honey-on-pale-bread malt foundation. The body had a pleasant shale-like dryness and a lovely snappish bitterness. I could drink a lot of this. You can read more about this story behind this beer in my article for Pellicle, which I'll link to in the show notes. In May, I attended the Craft Brewers Conference for the first time, and on my final day in Minneapolis, I visited Fair State Co-op. Their Vienna lager was glorious. This is one of my favorite styles, so you can always count on a Vienna making it on this list, and this was the best one I had all year. Snappy bitterness with toasty, lightly nutty malt, so clean, endlessly drinkable, the platonic ideal of the style. Masthead Brewing in Cleveland also brews a great Vienna lager, but my favorite from them this year was their heartier Zungenbrecher Doppelbach. My wife and I opened this one during a February snowstorm, and it was one of the best Doppelbachs I'd had in quite some time. It poured a beautiful tea-stained copper color with sticky lacing. There were notes of raisin, light caramel, and fresh dark bread, with some unspiced sticky bun dough and a faint hint of well-groomed leather. The finish was dry with minimal but noticeable bitterness. Robust but smooth, boozy but graceful, regal but rugged. Masthead gets a lot of attention for their IPAs for good reason, but their classic lagers are what I love them for most. Speaking of great box, we stopped in at Moontown Brewing just northwest of Indianapolis on a trip across Indiana this June, and their schoolhouse Bach, my Bach, was the best beer of the day. The brewery is in an old high school gymnasium and is one of the coolest tap rooms I've seen in a while. This beer is also one of the best my box I've had in a long time and has a couple GABF medals to back that up. It has a gorgeous round pale malt base that could steer sweet but never does. It's fairly light-bodied with ready noble hop bitterness and the tiniest touch of Smarties candy. Might as well continue to one more great Bach I had this year. Weizenbach is such a delightful style in all its spicy, boozy banana bread glory. Unfortunately, next to nobody brews one. Fortunately, the brewery in California, that's B-R-U-E-R-Y, brews a fine one and sent a bottle my way this year. 
She-Goat pours a thick, moussey head with a puff of cocoa on the nose that quickly gives way to plum and overripe banana, dark banana bread, and a splash of grassy rum. The palate lends color to those impressions and brings in a touch of acidity on the finish from the wheat, with a dry body despite the indulgent flavors. Spice is minimal. Now, if only they'd put it in 12-ounce cans and distribute it. Back in June, I had the privilege of talking with beer writer Ale Sharpton about Piano Keys Stout, his collaboration with New Belgium Brewing, and I finally got to meet him in person at the Denver Rare Beer Tasting this year. Here he is to tell us about his favorite beers of 2022. So two beers were really standouts to me. I'm just going to name a couple of that's cool. One, well, two are for causes, so I definitely want to give them a shout out and actually really, really well done. Uh, well, you already know about Piano Keys. It's dropping that, and that's a fundraiser beer. Uh, to help communities out through Brew Together. And then another one is called Opportunity Awaits. It's a, a beer I collaboration. Uh, me and a few other influencers and writers and brewery folks collaborated on with Duclaw uh, in Baltimore. Uh, and it's another fundraiser to raise funds for uh, Craft EDU, which is also a special hazy. And that was at 7%. But this one was really well done. I'm very happy with it. And then I had a beer in Japan that was phenomenal but it's hard to find it's called the peter beer original peter beer and it's named it's only available in this whole five-star hotel called the peninsula and um it's made by um brewery called hakado hakado I'll, I'll text it to you the name of it but they have a pilsner they had a stout and then they had like a, a pale ale that was all phenomenal so my beer though i'm i'm a big ipa guy you know that as well but i had lawson's uh mad river maple which is an amber ale, um, and it's actually made with maple syrup. I'm usually not a big adjunct kind of guy, but this one is so well done. Um, and it's made with their local Vermont syrup, 100%. They sent this to me, and it's really, really, really good, man. I think it's, like, strong, too. I think it's, like, 8%. But I liked it because it wasn't overly sweet, although it was made with maple syrup. It was so well balanced uh, down to the hop use in it. And that little sweet finish to it, you did, did get some maple, but it wasn't, it was one of my favorites because it's famous in that area. And it's like one of those beers people look for every year, but it um, is just so well done. And they're known for making fantastic beers, but I'm happy to like an amber finally. There's very few that I really dig. I think I leave a little more uh, oomph to my ambers and character. And this one did all of that. So I'm going to give this one a shout out. You can listen to my interview with Ale from earlier this summer back in episode 41, which I'll link to in the show notes. Speaking of chocolate beer collaborations, I got to brew my first Bean to Barstool collab this year with Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, on the south side of Chicago. The brewery is just a few minutes from my in-law's house, and Ray and Tobias, the owners, have become some of my favorite people in the beer world. You can hear from them in episodes 43 and 29, which I'll link to in the show notes. Every summer, they host a party called Feast of the Goat Queen, in which all their weird and wonderful friends and fans come out for a mythological celebration of beer and music. We brewed a beer together for the event this year called Crown of Horns. We wanted to make an easy-drinking, paler chocolate beer, and decided to use the new Philippine Malanabulong Cacao, a new origin imported by Uncommon Cacao and sourced for this collab through Ethereal Confections. I was particularly drawn to Mala Nabulong for its strong chocolate foundation and its earthy, herbal, and spicy notes, feeling they would perfectly complement a beer of this type. 
We brew the beer with an English ale yeast, and the combination of the cacao and the subtle esters from the yeast yielded an almost Belgian impression, with notes of palm fruit and banana, a silky, fruity cacao note underneath, a touch of earthy and herbal spice, and a gentle but lingering chocolate note. With that in mind, my first chocolate I'll share as a 2022 favorite was Violet Sky's Mala Nabulong 77% Dark Chocolate. The bar lead was strong cocoa and slightly woody notes on the aroma, with just a touch of herbal spice, moving to an intense, barely sweetened hot cocoa flavor, with a touch of vanilla and the moderate bitterness and slight astringency common to Violet Sky's roast profile. I would love to see more breweries working with this origin as it offers the classic chocolatiness of Ghana and similar origins, but with more nuance. I had the chance to talk with Emily Stone, founder of Uncommon Cacao, for episode 45, which I'll link to in the show notes, and here she shares some of her favorite bars from 2022. Hi, David. Um, Some of my favorite chocolates from this year um, were, first of all, the Mocha Origins Dark Milk. It's a 58% chocolate with cacao from the Abokfa Cooperative in Ghana. It's extremely crushable, and I eat a lot of this chocolate. Um, Another one of my favorites is Volo's um, 73% deep dark chocolate. Volo is such a unique maker. Um, They're in Sonoma County in California, and they use uh, Lechua cacao from Guatemala, and they combine it with sea salt and cinnamon in their regular dark chocolate bar, um, which is just such an amazing combination and so delicious. Um, Also, Castronovo chocolate in Stewart, Florida just released her... Um, what she's calling the Jaguar Conservation Chocolate Collection. Um, all three of the bars in the collection use cacao from Cacao Mosquito in Wampusirpi, Honduras, um, from the region called La Mosquitia. Um, in particular, there's one bar called the Jaguar Cacao Artifact Bar um, that was made with an extremely small micro lot, um, like we're talking nine kilos total harvest for the year, um, of rare native cacao that is found around that region. Um, She was the only U.S. maker who had access to that cacao and just did a phenomenal job turning it into absolutely delicious and meaningful chocolate. The, like, stories and information that she includes in this collection are outstanding. Um, And just this is, I think, some of the best chocolate on the market right now. Um, And then finally, Spinnaker out of Seattle has a line of multiple origins of dark chocolate um, that are exceptional. Uh, My personal favorite is the 85% Columbia using Tumaco cacao, but all of the origins are great. Um, A couple additional ones that I want to make sure to shout out. Um, You can never go wrong with a Dick Taylor chocolate bar or a Fruition chocolate bar. Um, They have such a wide selection of both single origin bars as well as um, bars with really unique inclusions and flavors. Um, These two makers have been around for such a long time and are pioneers in the field and they just do such a phenomenal job um, crafting chocolate. So highly recommend both of those makers as well. Happy New Year, everyone. Scratch Brewing in Southern Illinois is one of my favorite breweries. They focus on locally grown and foraged ingredients, yielding remarkable flavors from the trees and plants in the forest around their secluded brewery. Sycamore is a great example. Brewed with toasted sycamore bark, this 7% amber lager introduces itself like an oak-aged Vienna lager. Then it quickly reveals young leather, birch, and licorice root, with a bit of a drying mouthfeel from the bark and counterpoints of gentle sweetness and bitterness on the finish. You can hear from co-founder and brewer Marika Josephson back in episode 19, which I'll link to in the show notes. 
Actually, I'm getting tired of saying that, so just know I'm linking to all of these relevant episodes in the show notes. You can find them all there. Speaking of the flavors of the forest, Chocolate Naive's Black Sauna Bar was one of the most fascinating things I tasted all year. There is something deep in the northern forests of the world that tugs at my heart, and a thread of it is buried in this bar. I've never smelled a chocolate like it, and it popped images into my head rapid fire. Mushrooms, forest moss, oak, cedar, a pine box filled with old quilts that's been opened for the first time in years, a dark northern forest, the birch and pine forests of the Upper Peninsula, the ground spongy beneath your feet, a campfire far away through the trees. It's all here in this bar, and I can already tell it's going to be gone too quickly. I tasted a beer that tugged at a similar primal place in my brain at Porch Drinking's 10th anniversary festival during GABF week in Denver in October. Primitive Frosted in Moss is a six-month method traditionnel straight lambic aged on Colorado spruce tips. I filled a page of my pocket tasting journal with descriptors, but finished it out by writing, It's like snow melted through a bed of pine needles, earth, and stone. A totally different interpretation of spruce beer, Denver Beer Digital Snow Day is an IPA made with Colorado spruce tips. I tasted this at GABF, and it was one of probably my five favorite beers of the entire trip. It tastes like if you candied pine needles and orange peels together. You get a beautiful contrast of sweet impressions with briskly bitter realities here, like a more playful day glow version of Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale. Love it. Courtney Eisman is one of the best writers working in beer today, and you should do yourself a favor and sign up for her free Hugging the Bar newsletter, which I'll link to in the show notes. Here are her picks for her favorite beers of the last year. Hi, David. Thanks so much for including me in the Bean to Barstool Best of 2022 episode. I'm happy to share a few of my favorite beers this year. I've done a few best of lists this year, and frankly, it's hard to narrow things down, which is a good problem. I'm happy to see some classic styles like Alp beers, Grisettes, and Ralph beers popping up at more breweries, creating more potential favorites. That said, I'm going to give a shout out to a Gordyski from Bear Wolf Brewing in Amesbury, Massachusetts. This was just a perfect balance of light, crisp, and crackery with this sort of graceful billow of campfire and subtle meatiness that lingers just the right amount of time. And speaking of smoke, another gem this year was assistant brewer Robin G. Wise's Windrush at Wild East Brewing in Brooklyn. It's a smoked Hellas-style lager with jerk spices, allspice, thyme, and scotch bonnet pepper. It's really unique, a little savory with that smoke and spice, yet still really refreshing. Just lovely. Uh, I know everyone knows Treehouse in Massachusetts for their hazy IPAs, but while everyone's online for those, I'm happy to snatch up their oak-conditioned Alpbeer at ease. It's like a crusty brown bread with some nice bitterness and a clean finish. And I'll end on a cold IPA because this is a trend I am in favor of. More bitter IPAs, please. Uh, North Park Brewing in San Diego's Cool Stash, in my opinion, is a prime example of the style. So here's to seeing more diversity like this among beer styles in 2023. Cheers. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. 
Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Bar Stool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar Study Guide to pass my Level 2 exam many years ago. I wish the Level 3 had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. Branch and Bone Artisan Ales in Dayton lands on this list at least once every year, and I was surprised that their beer that stood out to me most this year was a hazy IPA. Cosmic Slop is a 6.8% ABV hazy with galaxy and citra hops, and it's drenched in creamy, juicy tropical fruit. Peach creamsicle, mango, pineapple, papaya. Those flavors cause it to lean sweet initially before an underlying bitterness comes through to balance each sip. Gorgeous. Mocha Origins has been one of my favorite chocolate makers this year, with excellent single origin bars and thoughtful inclusion bars that I've used in many beer and chocolate pairings. Their Lemon Ginger 72% Dark Chocolate with Ugandan Cacao is a beautiful bar, with the impression of honey ginger tea with just a touch of dried lemon supported by the acidity of the underlying chocolate. I could have picked any of several bars from Mocha, but this one stood out. Released as part of Not Your Sweetie's Gender Pay Gap collection, Not Sacrificing Myself is a 55% vegan oat milk bar made with cardamom and coffee and Tanzanian cacao from Coco Camille. The cacao percentage in this bar represents the 55 cents Latina women make against the white male dollar. The bar is bright and warm with coffee and warm spice riding over grape, red berry, and moderate acidity. On a rainy day in June, my wife and daughter and I stepped off the pink line in Chicago's Pilsen neighborhood and walked to the National Museum of Mexican Art. It's a lovely space, and the highlight was a temporary exhibit of Frida Kahlo's photography. A short walk under dripping branches took us back to the L and a couple stops north to Casa Humilde Cerveceria, where we hung out with the brothers who founded the brewery, Jose and Javier Lopez, and enjoyed Viva La Frida, a lime and hibiscus lager they brewed in collaboration with the museum for the exhibit. The beer is visually stunning and backs its vibrant hue with bright, fresh, spritzy lime and soft cherry notes on the nose, and a crisp, dry palate with bright lime, a bready base, mild acidity, and a cucumber skin-like crispness, with the hibiscus gently filling in any gaps. This beer is so vibrant and full of life, just like its namesake. You can hear from Jose all the way back in episode 6. One of the best friends I've made in the world of chocolate is Shay Pao. I always come away from a conversation with Shay with a smile on my face, as her enthusiasm for flavor and craft are infectious. Here she is to share her favorite chocolate bars from 2022. So, here we go. Obolo Pangoa, made with Pangoa Cacao by a bean-to-bar maker from Chile. What they did was took Pangoa Cacao and soaked it in Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon from Maipo Valley in Chile. 
For me, it's a blast of complexity. It's extremely layered. I find big berry flavors coming from the wine right away. And then it keeps building up with the other layers that includes oak and finally earthy funk, which is definitely from the cacao. Have you ever tasted the cacao just by itself? That's the funk that shows up. Now for the second one. It's one of the most expensive bars out there. It's made with cacao's cousin, Patakse. It's 100% um, Jaguar cacao used by Serene, Serene chocolate maker from Canada. For me, it's one of the savoriest bars ever. It's nutty like a macadamia nut with ripe papaya and fresh sage notes thrown in. It's super complex. It's like a cold weather bar for me. Lake House Ales Project Zappanot 2020 from Storm Cloud Brewing is a 6.2% ABV fooder-aged saison dry-hopped with Zappa hops, and it's a beautiful execution of a familiar concept. Soft, fuzzy floral spice notes and touches of lemon balm and subtle minerality lead the nose and meld with the initial sip, revealing thoughtfully restrained acidity over a base of rising pale bread dough, lemon, and just a touch of mothball funk on the finish. Run a goose through the feathery influence of a 90s shoegaze reverb pedal and you're getting close. This beer was beautiful, and I'm so glad my friend Anna, who does the music for Bean to Barstool, brought it back with her from a show at Stormcloud this summer. Sticking with sour ales for a moment, Jolly Pumpkin Beer de Mars is a Flanders-style sour red ale brewed with American hops, aged a short time in a fooder, and aged longer in bourbon barrels. The beer is quite oaky, with leather, caramel, and raw oak notes filled in with that classic juicy fruit-heavy Jolly Pumpkin house character, and the expected acidic dark fruit notes of the style. The perfect beer for the whipping winds of late March. Pretentious Barrel House in Columbus claims the tagline, Making Sour Beer on Purpose, and founder and brewer Joshua Martinez is one of the best blenders of oak-aged sour ales in the country. Indigenous is a sour ale brewed with corn grown and malted at Rustic Brew Farm here in Ohio and aged in oak for 11 months, and the result is one of my favorite sours I've had this year. The effusive aroma reads as yeasty bread dough with a touch of white grape and some stony acidity. The mouth brings some candy-like fruitiness that softens into peach and nondescript berry with a moderate but not aggressive acidity. Light but brisk, complex but not challenging. Upland Prim is a barrel-aged sour brewed with cardamom and plums and it's a spectacular exploration of flavor. It balances tart and sweet throughout the sip with layers of fresh plum and candied plum tinted with gin-like prickles from the cardamom. It's a very cocktail-like beer, like a brighter but also somehow cooler twist on a dark and stormy, with the fruit and spice playing off each other. I always love hearing my friend Ruveni Da Silva excitedly talk about her favorite beers, and as she loves a good sour or mixed fermentation beer as much as anyone, this is a good spot to hear from her. Here are Ruveni's favorite beers of 2022. Hi, David. Thanks so much for um, having me back to talk about my favourite beers of 2022. Uh, for me, this year, I mean, I've been getting even more sort of deeply immersed in uh, 
my love for mixed fermentation beers, particularly of the barrel aged variety. So um, most of my favorites do fall into that category. Uh, I've got a, a few local highlights to um, um, to run you through. Jester King's Balcones Whiskey Barrel Aged Atrial Rubicite. I mean, this is one of their most famous beers and rightly so. And aging it in Balcones barrels, just the combination of the, the whiskey and then that really, really razor sharp raspberry tartness is just unbelievable. Um, one of my favorite younger Central Texas breweries, Vista, came out with a beer called Seeking Sakura, um, inspired by Japanese cherry blossom season, which is actually aged in um, Tempranillo and Cab Sav barrels. It's a breaded ale with cherries and the musty grape skin, the brett, and then the sour cherry was just a really wonderful combination. Um, Nomadic Beerworks, um, who are happily around the corner from me. Uh, also, another barrel-aged sour, sorry. This is actually um, aged in Sotol barrels, which is a, a Mexican spirit, which is now being made locally um, in South Texas as well. So this is from a local distillery called um, Desert Door. And the beer was Yuzu Hibiscus Sour, which was really, really Moorish. We had that at the Texas Craft Brewers Festival. Save the World Brewing out in Marble Falls had a really, really wonderful plum oud brewing, um, which was actually aged for 10 years with purple plums. And it was absolutely just popped in the mouth. And just last weekend, I had a very, very exciting lambic made by Bold Republic brewing out in Belton. And that had been aged 22 months in blackberry melamel mead barrels so the layers of honey and blackberry and oat and then this sort of real lambic yeasty funk that was yeah that was really really pretty special aside from that uh my favorite national uh beer it's kind of a an obvious one but sierra nevada's bourbon barrel aged bigfoot i actually wrote about this for porch drinking it was blended the way a whiskey is blended so it was sev um, several different bigfoots some of which have been aged up to seven years in whiskey barrels um then blended by their ba uh, the head of their barrel program and then aged for another year in eh taylor barrels so you can just imagine how spectacular that was that was something really really incredible um and my uk shout outs this year are for brugada and vault cities brewer i'm sure i've said that wrong barrel aged whiskey sour with heather honey which was really like a whiskey sour it was unbelievable and holy goat who are one of my favorite new um or newish uk breweries blood eagle flanders red this had has an absolutely crazy level of um, complication into how it was made. There's rye whiskey, there's spent red currants and blackberries, there's smoked plums, there's red wine barrel oak saves. So much was going on with this beer that, yeah, I wish I'd bought an awful lot more of them. So yeah, overall, it's definitely been a year of the barrel aged sour for me with a few other highlights. But yeah, 2022, it's been a, been a good year in beer, especially here in Central Texas. A list of my favorite beers from any year is always going to include examples of brewers thoughtfully working with ethically sourced cacao. Archetype Night of Delusions is one of the best and most unique chocolate beers I've had this year. Brewed with French broad cacao nibs, Night of Delusions is a 12.5% ABV imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels and on French oak with a mixed culture. I'm not clear on the exact sequence of that aging and fermentation process. They don't give many details. 
The aroma is rich milk chocolate with a hint of acidity, and the flavor is all rich decadent imperial stout with dark milk chocolate up front, but then it slowly slides into notes of Pinot Noir, black cherry, and blackberry, and then reveals toasted oak and subtle fermentation acidity and a hint of understory funk. The dry finish offers just a whisper of bourbon. Gorgeous. Cerveceria Colorado Posalito Lindo, brewed in collaboration with Mexican brewery Cielito Lindo, is a 5.5% ABV porter inspired by Pozal, a pre-Columbian Mexican beverage made with fermented corn dough and roasted cacao. The beer is brewed with unfermented cacao nibs, cacao husks, and nixtamalized corn, all from Denver's Cultura Chocolate. The beer offers roasty, nutty coffee notes with a light kiss of sweetness and a subtle roast acidity with gentle earthiness. This was poured at the Great American Beer Festival as well as at Cerveceria Colorado's Great Mexican Beer Fiesta, always one of the highlights of GABF week for me. Looking at chocolate and alcohol mashups in the other direction, I always love Violet Sky's creativity with barrel-aged cacao, and their rye barrel-aged Almendra Blanca is a great example of why. Aging this Mexican cacao in journeyman rye barrels results in a bar with surprisingly gin-like notes initially, with a peppery rye pushing forward juniper and pink peppercorn aromas with notes of red berries, as well as a grassy note that reminded me of Queen Anne's lace that used to stain our hands as kids here in the Midwest. The flavor was more what would be expected, with sweet caramel layered over oak with some sweet shade-grown dark berries. Lady Justice and Cerebral Brewing collaborated on an imperial stout called Unconfirmed Details for the Colorado Brewers Guild's Collaboration Fest this summer. It was aged in a Laws whiskey barrel and conditioned on Ecuadorian cacao nibs from Miette et Chocolat, as well as coconut. The cacao nibs had been aged in an empty Laws barrel first and then added to the stout. After they were removed, Miette dried them back out and made a bar from them. I got to taste the bar at Lady Justice while leading a beer and chocolate pairing during GABF week, and it had a lovely rippled mold and combined flavors of cocoa powder, oak, brownie, and subtle cherry. New Zealand writer Luke Owen-Smith is one of the only other people I know who regularly writes about both beer and chocolate, and I had him on the show back in episode 37 to talk about the New Zealand beer and chocolate scene. Here he is sharing his favorite beers and chocolates of the last year. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Final Gravity Issue 4 is now available in the Bean to Barstool shop. This fourth issue of our zine telling intimate, human-centered stories from the world of beer is full of great articles, including Kate Power of Lady Justice Brewing talking about why she might be done with beer festivals, Ukrainian beer writer Lana Svetinkova writing about the Zeugel brewing tradition in Germany, UK writer Matthew Curtis talking about the blend of old and new in the Cascale tradition in Manchester, and many more. We believe passionately in this project, and if you believe the story of beer is ultimately a story about people and relationships, we think you'll love Final Gravity as well. You can order the new issue from our shop on beantobarstool.com, or you can also subscribe, including subscribing for your brewery tap room or break room, or you can subscribe and sign up to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beantobarstoolzines. Now, back to the episode. Hi, David. 
Um, so a couple of my favourite beers this year were the Garage Project Boysenberry Bretted Bourbon Baltic Porter, which is a great name. Um, Garage Project are one of the stars of the New Zealand scene and this was one of their single barrel releases. Um, and we enjoyed it at the end of a night out with some friends. It was pretty spectacular. And my other choice is the Crumbling Splendour from St. Mars of the Desert, which was um, my favourite brewery I visited in the UK last month. Um, and that was a um, dark sour aged in an oak photo with sherry yeast and panella sugar. And that was pretty exceptional. Um, for the bars... It's always a tough choice. There's so much good chocolate around, um, but I've I've gone for a couple where I had a more personal experience with the people who made it. Um, first up, I've got the Lucid Chocolatier Port Infused 68%, um, which is made with Peruvian cacao from Marignon, and that just won the Supreme Award at the New Zealand Chocolate Awards. Um, John T, who makes that chocolate, is a good friend of mine, and I'd sort of tasted a couple of versions while it's been in development so yeah it was really cool to see the final release and it getting acknowledged at the awards um for my other choice i've gone for the manoa why manola 70 percent um so this is the first bar manoa have made um with cacao from their own farms in hawaii um, and yeah, it was just cool. I got to meet Dylan at the Northwest Chocolate Festival and chat with him a bit and learn more about what they're up to. And um, it's a it's a phenomenal bar. The, the flavor notes are absolutely wild, like strawberry, watermelon, bourbon kind of vibes I got. Um, so yeah, it was pretty great to taste such a special bar with a cool story. Thanks very much. Bye. Noble Beast Murder Ballads has meddled twice at the Great American Beer Festival, and it's a truly excellent Baltic porter. I couldn't find the seams or edges between the components of this beer when tasting it. There's mild chocolate and cola in a dry body with just the right level of balancing bitterness. It's smooth and gentle despite its strength, and even at 8% ABV, it feels endlessly drinkable. If you want to understand what a Baltic porter should taste like, track this down. Noble Beast often uses cacao from Cleveland Chocolate Company, and I had the opportunity to stop into Cleveland Chocolate Shop on a rainy afternoon in October to visit with founder Rebecca Hess and taste some chocolate. In contrast to the day, Rebecca's Belize 60% bar is all warm mid-afternoon sunlight. She works with Uncommon Cacao's very first origin to yield warm spice, honey, brownie batter, and pale fruit notes in an eminently satisfying bar. You can hear from both Sean and Rebecca back in episode 34. Wolf's Ridge Brewing is best known for their barrel-aged beers, but I was reminded this year how great the base version of their Direwolf Imperial Stout is. It's beautifully structured, with smooth, creamy, thick chocolate flavors climbing an ascendingly more aggressive roast to luscious green pine bitterness from the hops. Wolf's Ridge releases a lot of doctored variants of their workhorse Imperial Stout, but the base version remains my favorite. Cacao Suyo was a new chocolate maker to me this year, and I loved their Lacuna Peru 70% dark chocolate bar. The aroma was rich and lively with dark fruit and light peppery floral spice, and on the flavor, a warm acidity deep beneath the chocolate notes led to butter, banana, honey, brownie, strawberry, and a hint of sunny orange. I'm always a sucker for a good dark milk bar, and Latitude's dark milk was among my favorites this year. This bar leans toward the milk rather than the dark end of things at 49%, but 
but its silky smooth texture and straight-ahead chocolatiness has made it a lovely pairing bar and an easy treat on many a work afternoon. Manawa in Hawaii is one of my absolute favorite makers, and I could have chosen just about any of their bars here. Oahu Island's Kualapoku bears the unmistakable spiritus house character of the maker, with plenty to make it unique. Rum, banana, red strawberry, and pale caramel in the nose deepen to berry balsamic on the palate with grassy rum and moderate acidity. This summer, I got to sit down with Hazel Lee, a passionate and knowledgeable chocolate educator who created the Taste with Color program to help people better identify what they taste in chocolate. Here she is sharing her favorite bars of 2022. Hi, David. One of my favorite bars this year was the Sour Cherry and Tonka Bean Bar by Choco Card, also known as Bean to Bear. They're a Hungarian chocolate maker. I discovered this bar at Eurobean and completely fell in love. I love sour cherries generally, and I also love tonka beans. So it was an amazing combination of having that sourness and fruitiness, also with that super aromatic sandalwood-like flavour of tonka bean. And yeah, it just totally blew me away. I was savouring the bar throughout the year and sharing it with everybody in very small pieces. Another bar that really stood out to me this year was the Durian Bar by Chocolate Naive, a maker from Lithuania. I also discovered this bar at Eurobean and I have a thing for Thailand. I went when I was very young and it just has a special place in my heart. So durian's always interesting. It's also one of my father's favourite flavours. And durian has a thing about smelling like hell, but tasting like heaven. So I had to buy that bar for my dad regardless. And I bought one for myself as well. And I was really blown away by the flavour. It has freeze-dried durian in the bar. And it is an absolutely beautiful example of how durian tastes like heaven. It's it's a really crazy flavour and it's hard to describe, but it was really aromatic and balanced and fruity and interesting. And there was none of that cheesy, horrible smell in the flavour at all. And I just think it's it's a beautifully executed bar. This year, I discovered how much I love the combination of orange, coffee, and dark chocolate, with both a beer and a bar that played on those flavors. Burial Beer's Lessons in Solitude Portrait 2 is a 15% ABV imperial stout brewed with blood orange zest, say coffee, toasted oats, vanilla bean, and French broad cacao nibs. Initial notes of peppery coffee and dark dry chocolate part to reveal orange cream ganache and silky vanilla caramel and milk chocolate. It finishes with a spritz of blood orange zest and a closing roastiness from the stout base. J. Coco's Orange Blossom Espresso is more candy-like than anything, perhaps, but delightful in its brightness. Candied orange peel and lightly spicy and nutty coffee are housed in classic chocolate. Winter sunlight, sweet but bright. Hey everyone, in addition to running Bean to Barstool, I'm also a full-time beer writer and educator, writing for numerous publications and leading tasting and pairing events both virtually and in person. If you want to keep up to date with what I'm up to, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. Just go to davidnilsonbeer.com and click the menu option to sign up. 
Twice a month, you'll get write-ups on beers, breweries, and chocolate makers, links to my recent writing and upcoming events, and other insights and tips from the worlds of beer and chocolate. Just for signing up, you'll get a discount code for free standard shipping in the Bean to Barstool store. Now, back to our 2022 favorites. While in Denver, I got to meet up with Joel Geyer of the Brewery Travels podcast at Our Mutual Friend Brewing for a flight. Our mutual favorite was Tristero, a Brett Saison. Subtle lemon drop acidity was countered by a more floral spice note and what I wrote down as attic-y funk. The beer won gold at JBF just a few days later, so I felt vindicated here. Much closer to home, Fifth Street Brew Pub released a limited batch of Tropical, a Belgian pale ale brewed with citra cryo hops and coconut. They released it in the dead of winter, and we stood outside in the patio trying not to fall on ice while enjoying it. This format of relatively low-alcohol Belgian pale ale is a favorite of mine. I love the dryness and bitterness wed to an assertive phenolic fermentation profile. Then you add in the tropical hop notes. I've had some other Belgian-style beers brewed with American hops, and they can be really good. I'm partial to Coppertail's Unholy Triple, but the collision of phenolics and tropical fruit can sometimes lean a bit bilious. In Fifth Street's brew pub's Tropical, the coconut serves as a buffer and a glue between that fermentation and the brighter hop notes, and it's just a smooth water slide from the fruit through the coconut to the spice, but all of that in a dry, pleasantly bitter body. I downed this pint in a hurry, and I hope they brew it again this winter. After tasting Left Hand's St. Vrain Triple the first night at JBF, I texted the other porch-drinking writers that I knew it wasn't a sexy pick for our Best of the Fest guide, but it was damn near perfect, and we needed to include it. I only wish it were available here in Ohio. Speaking of porch-drinking, founder and editor-in-chief Tristan Chan is a cheerleader for both breweries and beer writers, and I've asked him to share his favorite beers of the year. Hi, this is Tristan Chan, founder of PorchDrinking.com, bringing you my best beers of 2022. Live Oak Brewing's pre-war pills was one of the best lagers that I had all year. And uh, staying on the lighter end of the spectrum, Amalgam Brewing's Table 44 uh, highlights two fantastic farmhouse beers on this list. It's a table beer brewed with Motueka aged in oak punchins. Ended up winning a gold medal at the World Beer Cup, and rightfully so. Next up, another farmhouse beer. Uh, This comes from There Does Not Exist out of Wine Country. Their transit of the binary star was a beautiful Brett farmhouse and showcases uh, one of the better new breweries uh, in the country that we enjoyed this year. On the hoppy side of the, the spectrum, we had West Baton and Downs Triangle Offense, a beer, a West Coast IPA brewed with Pizza Port Brewing featuring Strata, Nelson, and Simcoe hops. And then moving over on the darker, boozier side of the, of the spectrum, we had Firestone Walker's Parabolita. Uh, you know, this continues to showcase just how relevant their barrel aging program is. This one was uh, kind of modeled off after the idea of a salted caramel uh, chocolate. And it's a bourbon barrel aged stout aged with vanilla beans, cocoa nibs, and sea salt. And then finally, uh, New Image Brewing out of Denver released one of the best barley wines I've had in ages. Their 9505 was a barley wine aged for 24 months in rye whiskey barrels and finished with a second maturation on Amberana wood. Something about that Amberana just continues to, to really crush it in terms of barrel-aged beers. Um, and that's my, my list of uh, some of the best beers from 2022. Coffee chocolate is one of my favorite sub-styles of craft chocolate, and Nostalgia Salt City Coffee was one of my favorites this year. This 70% dark bar made with Dominican Republic Oco Caribe cacao 
doesn't reinvent the genre, it just executes the concept extremely well. The rich, full coffee is haloed by acidic berry from the cacao, giving it a more espresso-like impression. The roast slope from chocolate to coffee is seamless, so thoughtfully done. For a totally different expression, Triangle Roaster's white latte was a treat. Triangle roasts its own coffee and makes its own bean-to-bar chocolate, so it's only natural their coffee chocolate would be stellar. Their latte white chocolate tastes like a caramel macchiato, with some of the freshest roasted coffee flavors I've ever tasted in a chocolate bar. Roast and subtle acidity with notes of cinnamon. This was spectacular. I had the privilege of interviewing M. Souter, the cartoonist behind Pints and Panels, for the podcast back in the spring for episode 39. Her new book, Hooray for Craft Beer, is a fun and educational guide to the world of beer and a great place to begin your journey of learning more about craft beer. Here's M to share her favorite beers of the last year. Hey there. So my favorite beers of the year are Cerveja Ria Avos, which is a brewery in Sao Paulo. Their Cherry Maibach was unbelievable. Great lager brewery. Uh, I had my first fresh glass of Helles from Hofbrau at the Munich airport, and it was a game changer. Uh, that was amazing. And my final beer is Treehouse Alt Beer at Ease, a wonderful beer really wonderful one of the best american-made alt beers out there treehouse does the hazies but they also really have a phenomenal lager program and they're making some really great classic styles so kudos to them cheers everyone seattle chocolate apple pie a la mode is probably my favorite seasonal bar i've had this year indulgent but defined with waves of apple caramel cream and regal dark chocolate holding it all in with flits of cinnamon and muffle crumble love 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 Hogarth's Maple and Walnut White Chocolate Bar was an evocative treat. Nothing complicated here, just nostalgic childhood indulgence. I remember visiting fudge shops as a child when we would travel, and Maple Walnut Fudge was always my favorite. One sniff of this bar, one bite, and I'm back enjoying those free samples and hoping my parents will buy some. One of my favorite beers at the Denver Rare Beer Tasting this year was, on the surface, one of the simplest— 2010 Avery Brewing Mephistopheles was a big 15.6% imperial stout with no barrels or adjuncts involved, and a dozen years in the bottle have treated it well. The hops still offered a punch of piney bitterness, but it was tempered just enough by the beer's quiet sweetness and an assertive baker's chocolate roast. Great Divide Brewing used to be easy to find in the Ohio market, but they retracted their distribution a few years back. I stopped in at their original tap room in Denver when I was in town in October, but they're no longer available off the shelf where I live. I opened this 2016 bottle of Old Ruffy and Barley Wine this summer and was thrilled by how well it had aged. The hops were still potent but lacked the sharp edge of some younger American barley wines, with resinous pine and some sweet orange. Malt oxidation was minimal, and the sip blended caramel, orange, pine, and gentle spice, an elegant reminder of a previous era. I've got blog posts up on beanbarstool.com for my favorite beers and chocolates of the year if you want to browse through them in print, and a separate post for my favorite beer and chocolate pairings. I didn't include those on the year-end episode this year, so that's the only way you'll be able to find those. While you're there, check out the pairing beer and chocolate zine as well. If you've enjoyed Bean to Bar Stool in 2022, I'd like to ask you a favor. Please leave a review of the show on your favorite podcast platform and share it with your friends on social media. I'd love to see the show grow and reach new audiences. I'd also love to hear your favorite beers and chocolates of the year, so drop me a line at beantobarstool at gmail.com or at beantobarstool on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest. 
Thanks to my friends who recorded their own favorites for this show. You can find links to their websites and work in the show notes. The next episode of Bean to Barstool will feature an interview with A.J. Wentworth from The Chocolate Conspiracy, looking at his partnerships with craft breweries to craft beer-infused chocolate bars. That will come out in January after a brief break for the holidays. I hope you all have a peaceful holiday season. Thanks for listening to Bean to Barstool.